and uh, uh, the threat um, is very great and very palpable. So we're in two. We've got two chapters. Um, I, I'm not quite as brave as Pete Myers, um, who who just gave you sort of a, a, a kind of poetic version. But I do want us to hear lots of these two chapters tonight. So um, I've purloined for myself because I wanted to read it myself. Um, these two chapters. We're not going to do all of it, but most of it. Um, and then we're just going to go through it a second time, and I'm going to pluck out some themes and again give you a good number of the verses um, because I, I just want. Isaiah's language to hit us because I think it, it's, it's very powerful. So, um, I hope you found it. It's um, on page uh, 711 um, and let me pray again before we read. Uh, Father God, we do pray that Isaiah's words, uh, ancient as they are, poetic form uh, that seems strange to us, uh, would nevertheless Uh, break through uh, the fog uh, of our uh, spiritual dullness and uh, alert us um, to the things that uh, you wish to reveal to us. And we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, Woe to that wreath, the pride of Ephraim's drunkards, to the fading flower, his glorious beauty, set on the head of a fertile valley, to that city, the pride of those laid low by wine. See, the Lord has one who is powerful and strong, like a hailstorm and a destructive wind, like a driving rain and a flooding downpour. He will throw it forcibly to the ground, that wreath the pride of Ephraim's drunkards will be trampled underfoot. That fading flower, his glorious beauty, set on the head of a fertile valley, will be like figs ripe before harvest. As soon as people see them and take them in hand, they will swallow them. In that day, the Lord Almighty will be a glorious crown, a beautiful wreath for the remnant of his people. He will be a spirit of justice, to the one who sits in judgment, a source of strength to those who turn back the battle at the gate. And these also stagger from wine and reel from beer. Priests and prophets stagger from beer and are befuddled with wine. They reel from beer. They stagger when seeing visions. They stumble when rendering decisions. All the tables are covered with vomit and there's not a spot without filth. Who is it he's trying to teach? To whom is he explaining his message? To children, weaned from their milk, to those just taken from the breast. For it is, do this, do that, a rule for this, a rule for that, a little here, a little there. Very well then. With foreign lips and strange tongues, God will speak to this people. To whom he said, This is the resting place, let the weary rest, and this is the place of the repose, but they would not listen. So then, the word of the Lord to them will become, do this, do that, a rule for this, a rule for that, a little here, a little there, so that as they go, they will fall backwards. They will be injured and snared and captured. Therefore, hear the word of the Lord, you scoffers, who rule this people in Jerusalem, 
You boast, we have entered into a covenant with death. With the realm of the dead, we've made an agreement. When an overwhelming scourge sweeps by, it cannot touch us, for we have made a lie our refuge and falsehood our hiding place. So this is what the Sovereign Lord says. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who relies on it will never be stricken with panic. I will make justice the measuring line and righteousness the plumb line. Hail will sweep away your refuge, the lie, and water will overflow your hiding place. Your covenant with death will be annulled. Your agreement with the realm of the dead will not stand. When the overwhelming scourge sweeps by, you will be beaten down by it. As often as it comes, it will carry you away. Morning after morning, by day and by night, it will sweep through. The understanding of this message will bring sheer terror. The bed is too short to stretch out on, the blanket too narrow to wrap around you. The Lord will rise up, as he did at Mount Perizim. He will rouse himself, as in the valley of Gibeon, to do his work, his strange work, and perform his task, his alien task. Now stop your mocking or your chains will become heavier. The Lord, the Lord Almighty, has told me of the destruction decreed against the whole land. I'm going to move on um, into chapter 29 now, um, and we're going to pick it up in verse 9 over the page. Be stunned and amazed. Blind yourselves and be sightless. Be drunk, but not from wine. Stagger, but not from beer. The Lord has brought over you a deep sleep. He has sealed your eyes, the prophets. He has covered your heads, the seers. For you, this whole vision is nothing but words sealed in a scroll. And if you give the scroll to someone who can read and say, read this please, they will answer, I can't, it's sealed. Or if you give the scroll to someone who cannot read and say, read this please, they will answer, I don't know how to read. The Lord says, these people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules they have been taught. Therefore, once more, I will astound these people with wonder upon wonder. The wisdom of the wise will perish. The intelligence of the intelligent will vanish. Woe to those who go to great depths to hide their plans from the Lord, who do their work in darkness and think, who sees us? Who will know? You turn things upside down, as if the potter were thought to be like the clay. Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, you did not make me? Can the pot say to the potter, you know nothing? In a very short time, will not Lebanon be turned into a fertile field and the fertile field seem like a forest? In that day, the deaf will hear the words of the scroll and out of gloom and darkness, the eyes of the blind will see. Once more, the humble will rejoice in the Lord The needy will rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. The ruthless will vanish. The mockers will disappear. And all who have an eye for evil will be cut down. 
Those who with a word make someone out to be guilty, who ensnare the defender in court, and with false testimony deprive the innocent of justice. Therefore, this is what the Lord who redeemed Abraham says to the descendants of Jacob. No longer will Jacob be ashamed. No longer will their faces grow pale. When they see among their children the work of my hands, they will keep my name holy. They will acknowledge the holiness of the Holy One of Jacob and will stand in awe of the God of Israel. Those who are wayward in spirit will gain understanding. Those who complain will accept instruction. I'd be surprised if most of us aren't finding these middle chapters of Isaiah hard going. Not many of us, I guess, um, find ancient poetry um, one of our our strong suits in life. Um, uh, And yet, the power and the richness of the language uh, and the impact of the message that Isaiah have for us is uh, profoundly important. I want want to look at it under three headings. Um, Here's the first. Uh, They're thematic headings, so we'll need to, to jump around Um, uh, through these two chapters as we follow them through. Uh, The first heading is is the chilling reversal that awaits. You you can't miss the sense of impending disaster. I hope you you caught that um, in these chapters. Uh, It's there from the very first verse, uh, 28 verse 1. Woe to that wreath, the pride of Ephraim's drunkards, to the fading flower, his glorious beauty, set on the head of a fertile valley, to that city, the pride of those laid low by a world. See, the Lord has one who is powerful and strong, like a hailstorm and a destructive wind, like a driving rain and a flooding downpour. He will throw it forcibly to the ground. Ephraim, sometimes known as Samaria, uh, capital city of the northern kingdom, uh, either is about to be or has already been overrun by Assyria. Uh, and what has happened in Ephraim, Isaiah is saying, uh, will be Jerusalem's fate too. The trouble is the people don't believe it. That They're so sure that they are safe and secure. Uh, look on to, to verse 15 of chapter 28. You boast we have entered into a covenant with death, with the realm of the dead. We've made an agreement. With, when an overwhelming scourge sweeps by, it cannot touch us, for we have made a lie our refuge and falsehood our hiding place. And in the, the imagery and language of Isaiah, it is as if they are a drunk, staggering towards disaster. Maybe you've had that experience coming home uh, late one night from somewhere and you found yourself walking down the pavement behind somebody blind drunk. That's a good phrase, isn't it? Blind drunk. Can't see. Staggering from side to side, just just wobbling. And and you think, at any moment, that they're going to step off the curb, tumble into the road in front of a bus coming by. It's, It's terrifying to watch. That, Isaiah says is what we can be like. Convinced that we're fine. Convinced that we can cope. Because that's the other strange thing about being drunk, isn't it? You, you actually think, as you take that alcohol on board, that you're becoming more and more capable. When in fact you're becoming more and more incapable, insensible. 
even as believers, we can live this life of ours as if it will go on forever. As if there is no judgment to face. As if there is no eternity waiting to break in upon us. But a day is coming, Isaiah is telling us here, when God will break in to your life and mine, either in the stupendous return of Jesus Christ or with our own death, whichever of those comes first. And on that day, no, no bargain that we think we have managed to strike with death will stand. Here's how Isaiah describes it. Verse 17. I will make justice the measuring line and righteousness the plumb line. Hail will sweep away your refuge, the lie. And water will overflow your hiding place. Your covenant with death will be annulled. Your agreement with the realm of the dead will not stand. When the overwhelming scourge sweeps by, you will be beaten down by it. As often as it comes, it will carry you away morning after morning, by day and by night. It will sweep through. The understanding of this message will bring sheer terror. We're bizarrely blasé about life and death. Somehow managing to convince ourselves that, that medicine can cure every illness and money can solve every problem. But it's just not true. This past week, a friend's 16-year-old son fell ill. At the weekend, he was feeling a bit unwell. By Tuesday evening, he was dead. It is what happens. We get sick and we die. Eternity breaks in upon your life and mine. Click on to chapter 29. We get a flavor of the arrogance that human beings show before their maker. Verse 13 of chapter 29. The Lord says, These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules. They have been taught. Therefore, once more, I will astound these people with wonder upon wonder. The wisdom of the wise will perish. The intelligence of the intelligent will vanish. Woe to those who go to great depths to hide their plans from the Lord, who do their work in darkness and think, who sees us? Who will know? You turn things upside down. As if the potter were thought to be like the clay. Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, you didn't make me? Can the pot say to the potter, you know nothing. If you know your New Testament, you see it's a wash with verses that have been picked up and used. Uh, we could be here for several hours if I moved to every place where these two chapters have been referenced in the New Testament. But what we catch here is, is a real sense of reversals. Do, do, do you feel that? A, a kind of undoing. Um, the people, Isaiah says, have turned things upside down. And it is as if Isaiah is saying, and God's going to put it back right again. 
You've been treating me as if you, the creature, can lecture me, the creator. Who do you think you are? Do you not see a day is going to come when, when you know exactly who you are, my creature? And I am the creator. I call the shots. God is not troubled by our human hubris and arrogance. For he knows that eternity awaits. Spiritual realities will break in. A day when human wisdom will be exposed to so much folly. It is a strange madness, isn't it? How we live our lives as if there were no eternity. As if there were no creator to be dealt with. And I'm, I'm speaking to those of us who would call ourselves believers. We do it just the same. Living as if there were no eternity. Living as if there were no judgment. Living as if there were not a hope in the face of death. It's a strange madness. Almost as mad as shoving a flashing light up your jumper. So, first theme. The chilling reversal that awaits. And then secondly, the terrible deafness that afflicts. Um, I don't think I did. Um, and I don't think anybody else did. But, it, but imagine uh, one of us in the crowd um, uh, on that um, return um, in, in drunken merriment, had said to my friend, "Look, no, don't be silly. It's dangerous climbing scaffolding. And, and you could get into trouble. And flashing lights actually don't look very good and cool in bedrooms anyway. So, you know, just don't bother. I mean, I mean what would have happened? Do you think he would have said, oh, yeah, you're right, thanks very much, yeah, good point. I mean, drunks don't do that, do they? You, you don't hear in your drunkenness. You, you, can't, you can't reason, because reason has departed. But, but a person doesn't know that their reason has departed. You know, you're too drunk to drive that car. No, I'm fine, really. No, 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 you've had one too many. I will be fine. Somehow, in our inebriated state, we can't hear the things that are being said to us. Uh, and... Uh, in our fog, what is sensible seems foolish, and what is foolish seems sensible. Uh, look back to chapter 28 and verse 7. These also stagger from wine and reel from beer. Priests and prophets stagger from beer and are befuddled with wine. They reel from beer. They stagger when seeing visions. They stumble when rendering decisions. All the tables are covered with vomit. And there's not a space without filth. It, it, I mean, it's an incredibly ugly picture, isn't it? You know, Isaiah uses very strong language, almost as if he needs language this strong. He needs a, an image this yucky in order to express just how terrible it is when people won't listen to their God. Um, he, he tells us what they're saying in verse 9. Um, who's he trying to teach? To whom's he explaining this message? To children weaned from their milk? To those just taken from the breast for it's do this, do that, rule for this, rule for that, little here, little there. The, the language suggests it's sort of blah, 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 just childish prattle. That's all you're teaching us. This is kid stuff. Don't be so ridiculous. That, that's the spirit of it. 
Childish nonsense, that's what your teaching is. But when we treat God's word as if it were nonsense, then nonsense is what it becomes. Do you see that? Verse 11, very well then, with foreign lips and strange tongues, God will speak to this people to whom he said, this is the resting place, let the weary rest, and this is the place of repose. But they wouldn't listen. So then, the word of the Lord to them will become, do this, do that, a rule for this, a rule for that, a little here, a little there. You treated it like childish prattle. It will become like childish prattle to you. Did you see the chilling reality that Isaiah is, is alerting us to here? If you or I stop trying to listen to God, then God finally will stop trying to speak to us. It does make this evening a scary moment. Because God is trying to speak to us at the moment. He does have things to say to us this very evening. He has something to say to every single one of us tonight from his word. But if we won't listen then the experience of chapter 29 and verse 9 will be ours. Verse 9 of chapter 29, Be stunned and amazed. Blind yourselves and be sightless. Be drunk, but not from wine. Stagger, but not from beer. The Lord has brought over you a deep sleep. He has sealed your eyes, the prophets. He's covered your heads, the seers. You see, see, for these people, even if they now want it, the word of God has has moved beyond their grasp. Catch that in verse 11? For you, this whole vision is nothing but words sealed in a scroll. If you give the scroll to somebody who who can read uh, and say, read this please, they'll say, I can't, it's sealed. Or if you find somebody who, who cannot read and say, read this please, they'll answer, I don't know how to read. The the scroll is just there. The words of the Lord, just there in their hands, and they can't find any way to access it. You feel the frustration, the agony, the awfulness of that. Because they wouldn't listen, now they can't listen. Are our churches like that? Are our Bible studies getting like that? Your quiet time, my quiet time, it's becoming like that. Actually, we're not really listening. It's terrifying to think that if we do not listen, time may come when we're not able to listen. Because we've stopped listening, God stopped speaking. God sounds the sternest warning. They're hard-hitting chapters uncompromising in their, in their picture of what it looks like to be spiritually dull, spiritually insensitive to the Lord God. But they are not without hope. Our final heading. The precious cornerstone that redeems. Uh, They they say that um, one way of thinking about the Old Testament prophets of the Lord is um, rather like a a man who um, sees a child in the road 
um, sees the bus coming and, and sort of yells out a warning. Look out, get out of the road, or the bus is going to kill you. Um, and um, of course, if the, if the child ignores the warning um, and the bus mows them down, the prophet's not pleased that his word came true. And nor if the child hears and jumps out of the way, uh, we don't say, ah, false prophet. Bus didn't kill the child after all. Um, and, and that's the sense of these chapters. You know, full of warning, full of threat. But the point of the threat, the point of the warning, is, is to cause a response that the tragedy might be averted, that the disaster might not befall. Isaiah wants the people of his day and God wants you and me today to hear and respond and to put our faith in the promised hope that he holds out for us, uh, the promise for those who turn and repent. Um, and again and again, woven through, maybe you heard it as, as I read the chapters initially, uh, a spirit of, of hope breaks through. Uh, the first time it comes is in uh, verse 5 of chapter 8. Uh, of 28, sorry. I thought we'd do another chapter because we haven't got enough here. Um, verse 5 of chapter 28. In that day, the Lord Almighty will be a glorious crown, a beautiful wreath for the remnant of his people. He will be a spirit of justice to the one who sits in judgment, a source of strength to those who turn back the battle at the gate. Uh, and then in verse 16, very famously, uh, the imagery changes to the idea of the Lord um, uh, providing a cornerstone. So this is what the sovereign Lord says. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who relies on it will never be stricken with panic. We move on into chapter 9. Uh, we read of the way that uh, the Lord is the conqueror of his people's enemies and the restorer in whom they will uh, rejoice. Um, and as we begin to wrap up, um, let's look at the, uh, uh, the final section, 29 and verse 17. Which is a picture of, of restoration, a, a picture of fruitfulness. In a very short time, will not Lebanon be turned into a fertile field and the fertile field seem like a forest? In that day, the deaf will hear the words of the scroll and out of gloom and darkness, the eyes of the blind will see. Once more, the humble will rejoice in the Lord. The needy will rejoice in the one, in the Holy One of Israel. Picture of restoration available. Hope in the face of death. The, the, the breaking in of eternity, not needing to be a day of threat, a day of darkness. Instead, it can be a day of rejoicing. For the Holy One who comes is the Savior and not the judge. That's the picture that Isaiah leaves us with, that there is a cornerstone. There is a place to rest our faith upon and find security, find hope, find a place to stand when eternity breaks in.
But do we believe, Isaiah, that such a place exists? I mean, really believe. Do we truly make the cornerstone our anchoring point? It is unnervingly easy, isn't it, to say that we believe and to appear to be grasping this truth when actually day to day we're more like the drunkard, staggering along, unstable, insensible. How firm is our grip on this future hope? How clear our sense that Christ and Christ alone, the only cornerstone that we can rely upon. There's a final image that I want to to finish with um, as I'm going to move us to a time when we can just be quiet and reflect. Um, It's in 28 and verse 19, and um, I think I may be perhaps taking a bit of a liberty with the image, Um, so you can tell me afterwards if you think I am. Um, but, in, but in 28 and verse 19, the, the, the middle there, um, we read, the understanding of this message will bring sheer terror. The bed is too short to stretch out on. The blanket too narrow to wrap around you. And as, as I read that and reflected on it, I, I just found myself thinking, have you, have you ever, ever had one of those nights um, when... You're in a bed, and I don't know, it's either that the blanket is too small or maybe the duvet is too thin, and you're cold. Is it only means that this is expensive? And, and you, you know that you're cold, and you know that you're not really managing to sleep because you're cold. But the night goes on, and intermittently you're thinking to yourself, I'm cold. Um, but you never quite manage to get up and go find another blanket and put it on top of you and get a decent night's sleep. Is it, I'm, I'm glad. One or two people are nodding, so I'm not completely balmy in my mind. It, 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 it's just a bizarre experience, isn't it? You, you, kind of, you know there's a problem, and you know it's solvable, but in your sort of hazy half-sleep, you don't sort it out. You don't go find yourself a blanket that is big enough to wrap around you and keep you warm. It's a verse that kind of expresses you uncomfortable? Did did my first two headings, did what Isaiah had to say here leave you feeling uncomfortable? That's the idea. It's what Isaiah wants us to feel. Uncomfortable spiritually. Slightly unnerved by the prospect of eternity breaking in. And knowing that in all sorts of ways actually we're not rooted on the cornerstone that is Christ. And, and he wants us to get up. He doesn't want us to go through the rest of our lives with that vague sense of unease, thinking, oh, gee, I really ought to do something about this. No, he wants us to, to respond. Get up out of bed. Go sort whatever it is that needs sorting. I, I don't know what it might be for you this evening. a relationship that needs attention in some way. Maybe by repairing that relationship, maybe by ending that relationship. A forgiveness that needs extending to a person that you're holding a grudge against. Or forgiveness that needs receiving. 
perhaps from the Lord Jesus himself? Is it a Bible that needs opening? Is it prayers that need praying? Is it words that need to be said to somebody close to you? Is there a Lord that needs loving in a new way that you're not loving him at the moment? I don't know because I can't see. God has not granted me to gaze into any of your hearts and know what it is that he would say to you specifically. What it would look like to wake up to deal with your current spiritual need. I do know that it will take you to Christ. That you and I have this ongoing choice between continuing in the fog of drunken uncertainty, spiritually speaking, or stepping to the cornerstone, to Christ. I'm going to invite the musicians to come back to the front so that they can play in a moment. Um, I'm going to throw a a verse or two from... I found myself thinking that the the end of Romans 13 um, echoes a number of the themes uh, of waking. Um, But that may or may not be helpful to you. You may be better rooted in Isaiah um, in the verses that we spent more time in. Uh, But what I'd love us to do is is just pause. We're busy from thing to thing. Um, and great for us just to be quiet uh, and ask what it is from these chapters uh, that may particularly strike us, what action God might have for us. Uh, So let's take a bit of quiet, and uh, in a moment we'll stand and sing.